Hello and welcome once again to Wrestling Memories on Pioneer 90.1 FM KSRQ. Beyond the FM dial, you can listen to Wrestling Memories at RadioNorthland.org. You can listen to it live and in the moment, or you can listen to it in the archive, or you can get connected to our SoundCloud page. Yes, the full SoundCloud, the full archive will hook you up with Wrestling Memories uh, episodes that go back, oh man, 10 years now. It's just an amazing thing that... It seemed like yesterday I was just starting the show with George Shire, and now I'm, I'm here with my, my co-host of the moment, and I'm, we've had a few moments together in the last few years, and I always enjoy chatting with him. He's down there deep in the heart of Texas, where it's not only warm, but it's also st- uh, the school, has the school year started down there for your, your kiddos? Mike McCurdy, the Grizzle Vet, by the way. Yes, yes, the, uh, the school year has started for, for the children. Uh, they went back last week, so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As soon as I'm done recording this interview, I get to go and pick them up and bring them back home. So I get to work in the indoor studio today because there's no children in the house. It's great. See, that, that, that's fantastic. You, you got your way back inside. <laughs> You're doing all right. And we were just talking briefly about, you know, kind of how, fa- you know, the summer and uh, what it's been like as far as weather. And, and I was telling you how uh, we're going to actually get rain, which ha- has been just a, a short supply sort of a thing. And you were telling me down there, you had some real interesting weather kind of off and on. Uh, you've, you've dealt with some flash floods type of stuff too. So I found that interesting because I'm sitting up here, we're dry as a bone up here. If there was any rain, the falls in the sky you're going to hear the ground sucking it like through uh, somebody's drinking a, a soda through a straw it's it's gotten to that point yeah no no we had a heat advisory it's going to be like 105 to 110 and we've had thunderstorm warnings and flash flood warnings and that's all been within the last four days. So mm-hmm. God bless Texas. Yes, yes. <laughs> as long as it doesn't knock out the cable or whatever, so you, you miss the sh- uh, any of the the wrestling that's been going on these days. My, as we're recording this, we are uh, a couple of days uh, away from uh, some some big events uh, for the major companies. We're talking uh, about uh, AEW. They've got their big rampage from the United Center in Chicago where they sold that mother out, and there's going to be some big-time uh, stuff happening. Also, uh, WWE uh, have doing something uh, really rare. This is uh, something, uh, usually, you know, pay-per-views, big events run Sundays. Well, they're going to move SummerSlam to Saturday from Allegiant Stadium in, in Vegas and then putting the NXT TakeOver on that Sunday, uh, kind of interesting moves. But with the WWE these days, there's been a lot of interesting stuff, especially when it comes to uh, uh, the, the the lineup, the roster, and, and uh, of course, this uh, name. You know, we've got a lot of cons in the world, in the pro wrestling world these days. Of course, uh, Shad and uh, Tony down there at AEW, and Nick Khan for the WWE. There's been a lot of moves that have been made here in the last couple of weeks that have really kind of got the fans and a lot of people uh, wondering what the heck's going on and what will be the next logical step for this company. There's been a lot of cuts. There's been a lot of moves around. Obviously, AEW Rampage is coming Friday as we record this. Uh, Everybody is expecting the debut of CM Punk. I'm one of them. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how they do it, if they do it, what's going to happen. Because if he doesn't show up, the roof's going to blow off that building. If he does show up, the roof's going to blow off that building. So mm-hmm. it's going to go a couple different ways. Uh, as far as WWE goes, yeah, SummerSlam in Las Vegas on a Saturday, a 10-match card. They're going WrestleMania style. Mm-hmm. I got a friend who's there right now. She she picked me up a SummerSlam shirt. I'm not at the event, but I'm going to have a SummerSlam t-shirt. So, so. you got, got the official And team. everything is like Vegas themed. Well, of course, and uh, a couple of weeks I'll be uh, heading out to Vegas, but not going to be checking out the SummerSlam uh, live and in person. But I don't know. I've been really, I guess, through the summer becoming, I don't know if it's disenchanted or just becoming more of a lapsed viewer as far as the WWE stuff is. I don't really get out, go out of my way to catch it as much. I don't know. I think maybe uh, it's a combination of I've really enjoyed the stuff that AEW's been doing, Impact Wrestling's been doing, even checking out some of the NWA stuff. And indies, that stuff has really been holding me more uh, captive uh, as far as a viewer. I know there's been some great stuff going on on SmackDown, but I don't know what's going on with me. I'm just really, really becoming more of that lapsed fan. Uh, you know, they that term that they've used for you know fans that left uh, post you know the Nitro WCW era. So I don't know what's going on. I watch everything. I just you know if I if it's not really paying focused attention to it. It's at least on in the background while I'm doing something else. Sure. But Raw, SmackDown, NXT, I watch all of it. I watch the indie stuff on the Roku channels. 
you know, I've been watching uh, some of the stuff from our guests uh, today. So, you oh. know, if it's wrestling, at some point in time, I end up. See, I like discovering more stuff, I guess, uh, where I'm kind of leaving the big machine behind. And uh, there's just so much out there. Thankfully, uh, you know, due to the streaming era and, 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 you know, checking out YouTube or, you know, things that are offered up channels on Roku. It's really a good time to be a fan. And it's really a good time to branch out and be a fan. I mean, you can love the big and the small and you just come home entertained. I mean, I'm still, uh, I've watched it from day one. I'm still a quite the avid viewer of Impact Wrestling. And they've got a big event coming up. The NWA's got their Empower and their uh, big, big event at the uh, St. Louis at the Chase. There's just so much going on. And you, my friend, have booked a guest who's got a lot going on down there in regards to uh, some some classic names uh, that, that were in the world class era. I mean, there you got some, you got a good guest. I'm very curious to welcome him in today, uh, Mike. So I'm going to let you do the driving. I'll chime in from time to time when the conversation, uh, you know, when I when I can get my shots in. But I want you to introduce and, and open up uh, uh, with our guest today. Our guest today was the promoter for Imperial Wrestling Revolution. That was a group that I've had a chance to see a couple times back in the day. And now is the owner and promoter of World Class Pro Wrestling, October 3rd, Wichita, Kansas. They have a big event coming up. They've also announced Christmas Star Wars uh, in December wow. at Southern Junction in Irving, Texas. I plan on trying to make it that. That's the show that's got a lot of the, the world-class talent coming in. I'm looking forward to it. But our guest today to talk about World Class Pro Wrestling as well as his involvement and tenure in the business is none other than Mr. Jerry Boston. Jerry, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you guys for having me. It's my pleasure. Um, I'm going to just start right off by Jerry because you know, you know, I know, I know your name. I've been to uh, I've been doing a IWR show back in the day. I uh, don't know much about you know your tenure in the business. How did you get started in the uh, in the business as a promoter and all that? And how did you start everything? And how did you eventually get to where you're now with uh, World Class Pro Wrestling? <laughs> Well, I love when people ask that question. You know, a lot of times they expect profound answers and I don't really have one. <laughs> so uh, I guess it was probably 2005. Uh, me and one of my best friends, we worked for an entertainment chain called Hastings Entertainment. And uh, we both loved wrestling. And one day in passing, I was just like, hey, we should be wrestlers. <laughs> and I mean, you have to keep in mind, the internet was not near as evolved then as it is now. And uh, he's like, how are we going to do that? And I was like, I don't know. We'll look it up on the internet. And so we looked it up on the internet. At the time, it sounds crazy, but uh, I didn't even know what independent wrestling was. And we found a company in Oklahoma City. And we drove up there every week for a year to be trained. And, uh, you know, honestly, my first dream was to be a wrestler. But you know, I went about it in a very odd way because uh, I've always owned my own company since day one. And so my first show, you know, I was a promoter and a wrestler, and that was in uh, 2006. Uh, I was, I left the business around 2000, I'd say 11 or 12 because I had knee surgery. And then when I started IWR in 2016, you know, it's been a crazy five years. Whenever we first started blowing up, uh, you know, I was very fortunate that Jim Ross and me and Gene uh, really took a liking to me and helped mentor me. Whenever we first started doing television, I would drive up to Norman uh, probably at least once or twice a month with my notepad and paper, and JR would teach me how to write television. And so I've been very blessed by being taught by two of the greats in our industry. And, you know, I've been, I've worked under Kevin Sullivan, now Eric Embry, and, um, uh, you know, I'm very blessed when it comes to that. So my journey has been, uh, you know, some of the best and worst times of my life. You know, being a promoter is definitely one of the hardest jobs in America. But, you know, it's also one of the most rewarding. So when you decided you were, you were going to get in, you want to get involved in wrestling, all that, you decided to be a wrestler and start training. When did you decide that you were going to get into the promoting side of it? Because usually there's a, you're either, you know, wrestling or you're a promoter. Sometimes, you know, there are the guys that, you know, make themselves the champions. But where was it when you decided that you were going to get into the promoting field instead of the entering action? Well, I've always been a promoter. And um, the day that I really had to make that choice was uh, we had had a show at uh, Fire Lake Casino in Shawnee. And it was uh, Rise of the Revolution. 
there were a lot of stars on the show. Uh, it was our second big show at that time. And I recall only having like 10 minutes to get dressed and talk about what we were doing and just walking out there. And, you know, it was after that, you know, I kind of thought to myself, like, I'm going to have to either choose being a wrestler or being a promoter. I can, I'm not going to be able to choose both. And, you know, so of course I chose the company over myself because, uh, you know, it was what was best. And so it's funny, you know, you can get on a, you can get on a bus and you can find your seat, but maybe it's not the seat that you originally thought you were going to sit in. And so I think that's kind of, you know, the story of how I came to be just more of a promoter than a wrestler. You know, I thought I wanted to get into it to be a wrestler, but in all reality, I was meant to be a promoter. I like that analogy, actually. Um, working with Jim Ross, you said he helped you out and you got a chance to work with him and he kind of taught you how to write television and all that. What was it like getting to learn from him? Because when I first started doing a podcast back in 2014, I got the chance to sit down with him for about like 10 minutes and he kind of gave me the, the tips and the ins and outs of how to do a successful interview and all that. And he's very, you know, obviously intelligent to the business and all that. And he's not just a announcer, a lot of behind the scenes work. You know, what was it like working with him and learning from uh, JR? Uh, you know, it was surreal. You know, um, the first time I met JR, we ate at some, uh, at a local barbecue restaurant in Norman. I went up there and met him and we talked for three to four hours. And, uh, you know, at the end of the conversation, he said, if you allow me to, I will teach you everything I know. And you just have to listen and trust me. And he said, I'm the only person that's worked with Mark Cuban, Vince McMahon, and Eric Bischoff. And he said, I can help you. And, you know, basically, JR helped me in, in so many different facets. You know, JR got to start in Mid-South. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize, like, like you said, he's a lot more than an announcer. You know, JR used to work on fundraising in Mid-South, so he had knowledge on fundraising. You know, he was uh, talent relations at WWE. I mean, Jim Ross is a very connected individual that has done a lot of very serious things for our sport. And, you know, it's very humbling anytime that you get the chance to interact with these people, much less learn from them. And, you know, I think that lasted for probably uh, two, two and a half years. I mean, basically, you know, I went to WrestleCon with JR. Um, you know, I went to uh, the WWE hotel with JR and got to sit there. And, uh, you know, one night it ended up being me, Mean Gene, and Pat Patterson drinking wine until I don't even know what time. And I would just sit there and listen and listen and listen. You know, I feel like to be successful in wrestling, you have to be a student of the game. You know, especially whenever we took on the world-class name you can't take on that name without understanding it and knowing where it came from knowing where you're going to take it and making sure that you protect it you know you have you know there's not a there's still a few world-class people left and whenever you can utilize them or bring them in for something you should because they paved that way for you they paved that way for you to use that name they paved the history of it so, you know, there, there's a lot of things that come into play with that. And I've just always found it to be, uh, you know, a very humbling and at the same time, a learning experience from everybody. You know, anybody that's worked for me, you know, I want to know, like, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And I'll listen to every single one, you know, because I feel like being a promoter, if you want to be successful, you surround yourself with people that are better than you but you have to be smart enough to realize which ideas are the best. Now, 2016, uh, you said that's when uh, IWR and Bear Wrestling Revolution started. That's when I, I, I went to the show, maybe not around that time frame. You had a meet and greet at a, uh, at a Trader Village with uh, Madison Rain. And that's, I went to that with my kids, and then I ended up going to the show that weekend that she was at. And that's where I found out about you know, your group and all that. And you put on a very well you know, produce very professional product. I really enjoyed myself. Uh, the very beginning of uh, IWR, when you were first starting, the shows were first going, you know, what was it like to get that started? Because, you know, starting in a new company and kind of getting your foot in the door is always, you know, kind of an interesting game, especially with so many uh, groups also in this area. What did you focus on to kind of make yourself stand out from, you know, everybody else? Uh, you know, at first, 
when I started IWR, I actually started with no money at all, not one dollar. And my original concept was we're going to have a training school. We're going to create as much of our talent as we can because we still had talent held over from our earlier days. And so we started the training school. The money that I made from that, I saved in order for us to run our first show. And then one thing that we'd always done up to that point is we'd always, I'm from Ardmore, Oklahoma, and we'd always ran shows just in Ardmore. And before that first show, I was like, well, you know, this time around, we're going to go on the road. And one of the guys was like, well, how are we going to do that? And I was like, well, I don't know. I guess we're going to figure it out. (laughs) And so uh, I created a fundraiser. And I used that fundraiser to uh, start finding groups that we could raise money for. And it was a very profitable fundraiser for these groups. And, and you know, it did right by us because it helped us get exposure, helped us get our name out there. And, uh, you know, that's kind of how the, how the chips fell. You know, it was a, a very high investment in our talent and the talent we could create. And we created a lot of great talent from this area. You know, uh, Chandler Hopkins, Magnificent Malico. Uh, we were the first Oklahoma promotion at Fuego del Sol, you know. So, and that's not even counting the talent that we had had held over previously. Uh, the Coyotes, Dane Griffins. You know, there was a lot of, it was a really tight group of guys. And at first, uh, you know, we all believed in something bigger. And everybody worked really hard for what we had. And then eventually just started paying dividends. Now, you know, you mentioned Fuego del Sol. Uh, he was one of the, that was where he first kind of got his start. Um, obviously, he's, you know, a little bit in the wrestling news now, just recently got his contract with AEW. How does that feel? You know, you see a guy that, you know, worked for you and got to start with you, and you were one of the first ones to give him a break, and then he moved on, and now he's uh, with, well, probably the number two company in, in the world, or I know AEW. Uh, how does that, you know, how does that make you feel, knowing that, you know, you were uh, kind of helping getting that started? It's like a proud dad moment. <laughs> you know, I think your job as a promoter, you know, obviously your job is to, you know, produce a quality product. But your job should also be to look out for your people and to want the best for your people. And, you know, I think some promoters will be mad, like, oh, man, he signed with that company, blah, blah, blah. Like, now he's going to leave. And, you know, in all reality, you should be cheering that person on. You should be happy because that changed his life. Not only his life, it changed his family's life. And, you know, your job should be to take care of your people before worrying about yourself. And your job should also be to take care of the people that come to your shows because without them, you're not successful at all. And so, you know, I was really proud. You know, I, I, uh, you know, it's funny for a long time, you know, Fuego was just kind of like opening matches mid card for us. And then, you know, one day just click and I began to understand him more as a performer and a person and you know his growth from when he started with us to where he's at now is phenomenal we were uh, we, we worked a local Oklahoma show together probably a month ago and it was amazing to me we were sitting in the back and, and had some kind of battle royal and uh, I sit there and just watched as Fuego laid the whole match out for everybody and it was beautiful you know because once again it just shows a lot of growth because you know there was you know, if you want to be a star, there's certain boxes that have to be checked. And at first, you might not check all of them. But as time goes along, if you're willing to stay humble and listen, learn, pay your dues, work hard, you know, you can begin to check more of those boxes. And now he's to the point where he's checked all of them. So I couldn't be prouder of him. I'm extremely happy for him and his family, and I think it's a beautiful thing. I've had a chance to work a few shows uh with Fuego and all that. And he's one of the guys, he shows up early. He worked out in the ring with, you know, everybody. He's willing to, you know, work with guys on spots and things and how to, you know, improve this or do that. Just an all-around great guy. I don't think people realize that, you know, he's a very humble guy. He's not, you know, doesn't have an ego. He's in there to work. And, you know, I'm glad to see him go into AEW. I watch him on Dark all the time. And, you know, now to get a chance to see him on, uh, you know, national television, I'm, I'm very proud of him. I think it's a great opportunity. But um, who are some of the other uh, names that, you know, came in that you've had a chance to uh, promote in your in your group? Because like I said, you had Madison Reigns, that meet and greet that I went to, which is the show I went to. But you've had a lot of, like, you know, not just local, but name talent come in. Who are some of the people that you've had a chance to work with? Uh, probably top of the list would be Sting. 
you know, Sting doesn't work a lot of independent shows and, uh, he's worked a handful of them for me. And, uh, you know, it was a real blessing, you know, Sting, uh, I don't know. I mean, it was more than a professional relationship. He did a lot of things personally for me and, you know, I even did a couple for him. And so, uh, we had a really good relationship in that, and that was great. Uh, you know, the Von Erics, uh, that's been a very special relationship too. You know, they got their start in Harley Race School, went off to Japan for a minute, and then it didn't really do a lot. And then when we picked them up full time for probably three years, you know, um, that was a very special time, especially working, you know, like outside of watching Marshall and Ross grow, having Kevin uh, a couple of shows was really special. You know, uh, Kevin worked a show for me in Ardmore at the same place where I saw him wrestle 30 years prior to me, that was really cool. Cause it was the first time I'd ever seen wrestling live. Um, let me think who all have we had There's been so many, uh, Jake, the snake, hacksaw, Jim Duggan, uh, MVP is one of our main stars. Uh, we've had the young bucks, Lex Luger, EC three, uh, Maria and, uh, Mike Bennett, Lex Luger, uh, Ricochet, Natty Neidhart. I actually gave Natty Neidhart her uh, biggest match at the time on my very first show. Uh, Jim Cornette, Brandy Rhodes, Jeff Jarrett, uh, Tennille Dashwood, Lisa Marie, Diamond Dallas Page, Gail Kim, John Morrison, Jerry Lawler, <laughs> Holland Nash, the Steiners, the Dudleys, the Hardys. I mean, the Ted DiBiase. I've been very blessed. <laughs> and that's just definitely a, a who's who of wrestling right there. Yeah, you know, now, you know, I don't believe that that there's anything you can't do. Most of the time, uh, you know, the only person that's going to stop you from achieving your goals is yourself. Now, you went from uh, Imperial Wrestling Revolution, IWR. You went on, and then that went into uh, World Class Pro Wrestling. You were running weekly uh, shows at the beginning. I believe it was on Thursdays. But how did you start the process of, because the World Class name obviously is very well known and, you know, the territory days and all that and very well respected here in the state of Texas. How did you get involved and be able to get to work with the world-class name? And how did you transition over to world-class pro wrestling? And what were kind of the, the beginnings of that? Cause shortly thereafter, when you start with that, that's obviously when, you know, COVID hit and the pandemic hit and everybody came to a screeching halt. Well, we had, uh, we had three years so far under the world-class name. So we were established way before the pandemic. We actually uh, changed the name upon getting our first TV deal. And, uh, you know, because for the longest, JR would always gripe about the name being too long. He would even call it the wrong name sometimes because he would get confused on that. And uh, so whenever it just felt right, whenever we were about to embark on actual uh, producing TV, that we changed the name. And I remember being on the phone with Ross and Marshall, and it was actually Marshall's idea. And I was like, whoa, I was like, uh, man, you got to talk to your dad. <laughs> we can't just do that. And uh, they talked to Kevin and he gave us blessing. And, you know, it's not the exact same name. Uh, World Class Championship Wrestling was the name before. And uh, mm -hmm. our, logo, our logo is different than theirs. The original World Class logo has Kevin putting the iron claw on somebody. And our logo is Marshall doing the claw slam on someone. And so there are differences. Um, you know, originally we did look into the original name. At the time, it was not trademarked, uh, but they have a thing called confusion in the marketplace. WWE has utilized this numerous times against people. And what it means is for people that aren't familiar with trademarking and patents and things like that, uh, for example, the network. WWE shows world-class on the network. So therefore, whether they own the name or not, or whether they own the trademark to the name, as soon as they're showing the programming on the network, they can come up with the clause confusion in the marketplace. And so originally, whenever I compiled all of this information, I took it to Eric Bischoff, because as everybody knows, he would know about getting sued by them. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I had Eric look at it and he said, you know, you're right. He said, but they will tie you up in court and you won't ever win and you don't have the money to fight them. So go with your other idea. <laughs> and so that's how we ended up with World Class Revolution, also known as World Class Pro Wrestling. And so that's kind of how that happened. And then as things uh, continued to go the way they were, you know, we started adding other world-class people. You know, Iceman King Parsons actually wrestled for us a few times. Uh, we're bringing Mark Lawrence back in December, and he will uh, hopefully stay on for a good while being our commentary team, one half of that. Uh, Eric Embry's coming back as the booker. 
and we even had Mick Foley appearing in December. So to me, like I said, it's always important to honor that name. That's just some history on how we got from IWR to World Class. Now, when you first started in with uh, World Class, like I said, very well-respected name in this area. Was there any, like, pushback from people, from the fans, some of the guys that worked that territory? (laughs) Because, you know, it's still very, like, There will always always be pushback for people. Anytime that you start being successful, you will always have pushback, you know, from people that, that don't want you to be successful, people that are jealous, you know, I mean, the list goes on, and it's sad. You know, ultimately, most of us get into wrestling because we love it, and... You know, I'm a firm believer that you should not wish failure upon anybody. There's enough room for all of us to coexist. And outside of WWE and AEW, I don't really feel there is competition any any way you look at it. You know, it's a little different if you run the same town as somebody on the same day at the same time. Like, yeah, I can see how that would cause problems. But ultimately, I mean, you should be supporting each other, working with each other as much as you can. You know, everybody still is entitled to produce their own product, but you should be supportive of that. And, you know, if you can help other people in the business, you should do so too. I mean, treat people how you want to be treated. And oftentimes that's forgotten in wrestling. Now you said, you know, you got your, uh, the blessing from Kevin to, uh, you know, use the name and you've actually had a chance to work with him. Uh, are you still working with the, the Kevin and all that? Cause I know like Marshall and Ross are with MLW, uh, Lacey, obviously with SWE, you know, are you still working with Kevin on the World Class Revolution product? We would only work with Kevin here and there. You know, our main people were, were Marshall and Ross, and, uh, you know, they will be coming back in December and then starting again to work a lot more shows for us. You know, they're, they're under contract with MLW, but that does not prohibit them from working for us or Lacey. And, um, you know, so starting in, in December, uh, between the two of us, you know, Texas will be seeing a lot more of Ross and Marshall again. And, and you know, it's a great thing. And, and to me, uh, you know, they're the flag bearers of the world-class name, in my opinion. All right, well, I'm going to pass the microphone over to Glenn. I'm sure he has a few questions for you. Yes, this is Rasslin' Memories uh, with our very special guest, Jerry Bostic. We're talking world-class revolution, world-class pro wrestling. And uh, you mentioned, uh, well, Mike, uh, early on, uh, informed me the, about these these big shows you got coming up, uh, especially the one in December really intrigues me because of the world-class uh, legacy of, uh, you know, the Christmas night shows or the Star Wars shows, the stuff that uh, I used to see, uh, you know, up here in Minnesota. I used to watch on ESPN, uh, Legends of World Class. And I was thought of, and seeing it in the after magazine, some of these big shows and some of these big moments of wrestling's past in in the uh, Dallas Fort Worth area. So uh, tell us, I mean, it's a little far down the line, but it's not that far down the line. Uh, tell us a little bit about putting together, like, uh, I mean, because you know what, that got the the past uh, shows that kind of cast a shadow, but you still want to, you know, acknowledge the legacy, but also carve your own niche here in twenty twenty one. So talk a little bit about this. Uh, bringing back like a, the Star Wars type of a show uh, in, in the DFW. You know, moving forward, uh, 2000, December will be the first, but more so in 2022, um, we're going to be rotating back to the old WWF pay-per-view method. Mm-hmm. So we're going to focus on, uh, you know, four large events per year and all the shows in between to build those stories. And uh, so, you know, we're going to rely on like the Christmas Star Wars Parade of Champions uh, one of our trademark shows, God Bless Texas. Yeah. And, um, of course, our staple show, Oklahomania. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to me, it's important to preserve those names just as it is the talent. You know, that when you say that name, it's no different than what you just said. That name means something. You know, and, and to me, those shows are more important than, than any to preserve that legacy. You know, so anytime that we can give something special to the fans, you know, we're always going to do it. Because I think it's important to remember whether you're a worker, promoter, whatever your role is, you know, we were all fans. Mm-hmm. Most of us are still fans if you want to admit it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, like you need to take care of that. You know, for example, at that show in December, we're going to offer all of the ringside ticket holders a photo op in the ring with Eric Embry, Mark Lawrence, and Marshall and Ross, mm-hmm. you know, which is a one-of-a-kind photo op that you're not going to get anywhere else. Oh God! No. And so I always like to do special stuff like that. You know, Mick Foley's also going to be in attendance. No, that's a big deal. I don't even remember the last time he would have been associated with the world-class product. 
Yeah, it was pr- so, uh, probably back and, towards the end the of the of the days when uh, Jarrett kind of came into, and the, the days when Cactus worked with Gary Young. I mean, that that's a while ago. I mean, but it's still again, you know, Cactus Jack McFoley definitely had uh, his part of his uh, pro wrestling story went through the offices and the arenas of world class. Absolutely, it's funny you bring up Gary Young because I think. Uh, 2022 you're going to see gary young in world class you're going to see al perez you're going to see um you'll see Iceman again you know you'll you'll see a lot of these names come along Uh, we're planning on i don't know at what point we're going to do it um we're planning on having a show called world class forever oh and basically what that's going to be is a, a massive production for us probably one of our biggest of all time where we just fat flat play homage to the product and then with our wrestling product, we show, you know, we kind of show where it's been, how it got there and where it's going. And, you know, there's so much talent right now. You know, we're really looking forward. We have a full slate of shows already scheduled for 2022. Uh, we already have a clear direction television wise, streaming service wise. We have a lot of stuff to really drop on people. And I think it's going to be something that they really enjoy because I don't know that there's been a better time in a very long time to be a fan of wrestling. You know, with with AEW coming up like they have, WWE still around, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, and so many uh, MLW, NWA, uh, ROH, New Japan, Impact. I mean, there's so many options, and it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something out there for everyone. And we want to find our niche in that market, too. And we want to, you know, ultimately, I see... MLW, ROH, Impact, and the NWA is our competition, mm-hmm. if we're going to say competition. And you know, so you... I think that's the level, just to put it in perspective, that's the level that we plan on coming out in in 2022. Mm-hmm. And with the emergence of AEW in the last couple of years, too, and their approach to the product, it's really... I guess, uh, and as far as mainstream companies go, it, it has been quite refreshing because not only do they have, uh, you know, major television on TNT, they have uh, their YouTube shows. And on these shows, they're using and utilizing not only some of the guys that, and gals that they have signed to their roster, but there has been uh, a real, I mean, now with them back on the road, uh, and I mean, during the Jacksonville uh, stuff during COVID times, uh, they've been able to bring in a lot of independent people, you know, to work a few shots and to get some exposure. That exposure could lead to more bookings later on down the independent line and maybe a full time gig uh, with AEW. But I really find that interesting because I've uh, in the last year, year and a half, I've seen so many different names, uh, you know, and so many different faces that I probably wouldn't have seen before unless I was, you know, in an area where they were working independent-wise. I said, you know, I'm not going to come on here and be one of those people that that talks badly about WWE. I'm just not. I think that it's also, I think that it's important to remember, yeah, maybe their product's not as good as it has been, but we wouldn't even be watching wrestling on the level we are if it wasn't for them. That will always be the case. Oh, absolutely. What AEW did during that period of COVID was something probably, I mean, some people realize how special it is. Some people don't. But you're 110% right. They gave so many talents an opportunity just to be seen. And by being seen, you know, that helps those talents with bookings. It helps them make more money. Like, you know, AEW is establishing a new standard in our industry mm-hmm. by working with anybody and everybody. You know, like by being the leaders and setting an example that everybody should follow. You know, uh, we had Matt Hardy in October. We have QT Marshall in December. AEW has even reached out to me and used some of our footage. You know, like they are setting an important standard that I hope everybody listening and everybody in the wrestling industry will start following that we're all stronger together. You know, like when you stand, there's something special when you stand in unity. Oh, for sure. And, you know, I think that this take on the industry is a much more effective take than the typical WWE outlook on the industry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's a lot of young energy going into this uh, AEW you know, with Tony Khan, uh, you know, significantly a kid who, uh, you know, was he went beyond just being a, a basic pro wrestling fan. This was a kid that was uh, t- collecting and trading tapes, 
he was really involved in listening and watching and viewing uh, wrestling's past and, uh, you know, and not just going in for the uh, entertainment part of the sports entertainment. He was someone that really knew his stuff. And I think that really uh, shows into his love of the business, the way the things are going with the forbidden door and all of that stuff. And to be able to have all of these companies working together, having talent exchanged, uh, you know, it, it's just something, again, if it's unity and it's stuff that can come out in where you can have another super card of sorts, like an all in a couple of years ago, that was kind of the precursor to what, be, you know, the AEW type uh, revolution. But there's just so many, dip- there's so much more upside, you know, with the, you know, the national, the American product and then the international with everybody working in, and it's just, uh, again, you talk about it being a fun time to be a pro wrestling fan. By God, that is just such 100% God's honest truth. And you know what, you know, one thing that seems out to me too, is you watch these products, and they're very different from each other. Mm-hmm. So they're giving you something for everybody. You know, to me, AEW is like variety hour. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know every time I watch it, they're going to do something that makes me laugh or something that I find extremely entertaining and something that I'm thinking when I watch it, like, damn, in the world where everything's been done, I've never seen that, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be good or bad. And I love that. I love their creativity. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like a couple of weeks ago when they did the Space Jam tie-in. Oh, yeah. You know, they started the show and they hit the vignettes. And then uh, here comes, here they come in like basketball uniforms, dribbling <laughs> basketballs, dunking on eight-foot goals. And I must have watched that three times. I found it so entertaining. <laughs> you know, and, and to me, that stuff that sets them apart, I think WWE would never do anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think that, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. No. But it's just a totally different product. You know, I, I enjoy NXT for the most part, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I really enjoyed the uh, Eli Drake and uh, oh, whatever his name is on the show, the the Butler guy, um, Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes. I really Cameron enjoyed Grimes. That story. I enjoyed the Hit Row thing. You know, I think there's a lot of good stuff going on there too. Mm-hmm. And you know, unfortunately to me, the two poorest products are Raw and SmackDown. And but you know, I, I don't think that you should ever be the type come down on them and be like, oh, you know, this is awful, blah blah blah. You should just hope that they get better. And, you know, it's not a talent issue. You know, it's a writing issue. And, you know, so I think it's also important, too, that we don't ever throw it on the talent because, you know, WWE has some of the best talent in the world, bar none. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, you know, sometimes I think it's odd because, to me, WWE is a juvenile product. And I don't mean that in an insulting way, but the storylines to me are very juvenile. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what's what's striking to me is if you do research on the demographics in pro wrestling, uh, 50 and older makes up more than 50 percent of the viewing wrestling. That's troubling. If you have a juvenile product, you would think kids would lead the way with that. But, you know, since 2014, there's a seven year gap. And wrestling has lost 10 percent of the two to 17 age range. You know, now that is only made up of 10% viewers. So only 10% of the viewing audience is two to 17. That's troubling Mm -hmm. because what happens whenever the older crowd starts passing away, you know, if there's no creation of new stars, you know, that's when I think we're going to see trouble in wrestling. Mm -hmm. And WWE has done a good job of prohibiting people from being stars in a lot of ways. You know, that's why I think, again, you look at all of the trends in AEW and everything they're doing is trending up. You look at WWE's trends, they're all trending down outside of their TV rights. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you dig down to the to the deep part of what's going on behind the scenes, statistic wise, you know, it's kind of troubling. But, you know, like I said, at least there's a product for everybody right now. Almost definitely. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, well, I'm going to bring back Mike into the conversation here. He's got a few more questions to ask before uh, we uh, we part ways today. Mike, you ready to roll again, my friend? Yes, I am. Uh, one thing I'd like to talk about, Jerry, is uh, obviously we are just now coming out of or trying to come out of the, the pandemic situation, which, as we all know, basically kind of shut down You know, uh, wrestling if you weren't WWE or AEW. Uh, during that time, you know, what were you doing just to kind of stay in the, the mix and kind of keep things going? Because, as I said, nobody was running at that time. Man, you know, honestly, I took a what, – what I tell people all the time was 
I went on a wrestlecation. <laughs> and, you know, I really just enjoyed that time with my family, you know, our kids. And, uh, you know, I used that time to rest and kind of recharge. You know, I hadn't had um, a break in five years. And, you know, people don't really realize that as big as this company got, I mean, at one point we were caught in between being an independent company and being on the upper echelon of companies. And it was just me and one other person pulling most of the weight. And, you know, so it was hard on me mentally and physically, as well as it was my buddy, uh, Randy Price, who uh, handles all of our graphics, handles all of our editing, handles our TV production. And so I know it weighed down on us a lot. And so, you know, I, I really, you know, I hate what happened with the pandemic. I, you know, my heart goes out to everybody that lost somebody. You know, I lost my grandpa during the pandemic, so I can relate. But, uh, you know, to me, health-wise, the pandemic was probably a good thing. You know, it gave my mind time to rest, too. So, you know, coming out in October, uh, you know, I'm ready to go. Now, let's talk about the uh, – we, we discussed the uh, December show, uh, Christmas Star Wars. Uh, let's talk about the show October 3rd in uh, Wichita, Kansas. Uh, you're advertising Matt Hardy versus uh, the guy we were just talking about earlier, Fuego Del Sol. Uh, and once again, there's just a myriad of names on the poster that are going to be at the event. Let's talk a little bit about that for the listeners who you know, might be interested in making the, uh, the trek to see the show. Yeah, you can uh, check everything out at worldclassprowrestling.com. Uh, Wichita is one of my favorite places to have shows. I love the cotillion. I love the fans of Wichita. And, uh, you know, it's a very special opportunity for us to put on the third match in in the trilogy of Fuego Del Sol and Matt Hardy. You know, the stage is a little different. It's not AEW. You know, in world class, they're going to have time to put on whatever kind of match they want. You know, they're going to, as in, they're just going to have a lot more time to do so. You know, uh, oftentimes whenever those matches were on dark, you know, they're trying to fit so many matches in in a certain time frame that they just don't have time to go out and put on a full-blown match. You know, so that's exciting for us. You know, it's also exciting to have the match on Fuego's home, home turf. Uh, we got Sandman making a rare appearance in Wichita. I don't remember last time Sandman was around that area. Uh, we got MLW champion Jacob Fatu, world-class champion and UFC Hall of Famer Stephen Bonner, uh, Marty Bell, MLW star Gino Medina, the Blood Hunter, uh, Rodney Mack, you know, all the same world-class people that, that are on the Cotillion shows usually, Gideon Bain, uh, Erica Torres, Moonshine Mantel. I mean, it's you know, the stepbrothers, it's just such an amazing group of people. You know, like, I love to just sit down and watch these shows because I'm not real big on scripting things. And so, to me, when I get a chance to sit down and watch them, it's an organic production. And, you know, to me, these guys are top of the line. Now, you know, going off of like, October 3rd, you have a show, then December 11th, you go to Christmas Star Wars. You also mentioned uh, you're working to have like a parade of champions and a few other shows. How do you follow that kind of that fine line between paying tribute to the world class territory and copying the world class territory? Because it, it's kind of, in my opinion, it's kind of a fine line. And obviously, there are going to be those people that think you are copying. But how do you do it to keep it where it's more tribute and all that than it is? You know, a, a direct. I think that you, it's in your storytelling. You know, you can't go back and tell the same stories of world class that's already been told. And the beauty of it is, you know, even though we we honor the legacy, we bring a lot of people in. You know, the older people aren't necessarily a part of the storylines or the wrestling. You know, a lot of times it's just appearances. And so, you know, you're you're seeing the past, but then you're also seeing the present and the future by seeing all of our guys. You know, it's um, I think your goal whether it be an old product or a new one or whatever the case may be, you should also be grooming uh, the next set of stars, you know, in your promotion. Uh, We'll also see in December the debut of Jenny Santana, who is Tito Santana's daughter. Uh, She's our first homegrown talent of our relaunch. We're excited to see her in action. You know, so that's exciting to me. To me, I get just as excited about building new stars as I do having any established star. You know, to me, that's, really in the wrestling area that's where i excel is character development and uh you know like promos and stuff like that so i love getting my hands on new talent 
And with Eric Embry coming along, you know, Eric was a great booker in the Dallas territory. He rebuilt it when a lot of people thought it was dead. Uh, Eric is also very, very good at building stars. And so even though we're honoring the legacy, you're going to see a lot of fresh faces and a lot of fresh faces that we will have our hands on directly and help them get to where they're, where they want to go. Has there been any thought or is there any talk about possibly coming into the Fort Worth area to some of the, the arenas and all that, that the old world-class territory did run in? Because obviously, you know, Will Rogers is still around. <laughs> we want to run Will Rogers bad. You know, it's just a matter of working out all the formalities. Uh, I can see us, we're looking for a second television home. Southern Junction is going to be our first. Uh, starting in January, we will be running there once a month. And, um, you know, we're hoping to have an established venue in either Dallas or Fort Worth. And if we go the Fort Worth route, uh, I can tell you Will Rogers is at the top of my list. Uh, you know, it's, there's just so much history there. And, you know, if we go the Dallas route, we're probably looking at a Gillies or a House of Blues possibly. So we're really, uh, you know, we're looking to have two TV homes. We have 40 shows slated for next year at least. And we're looking to uh, put ourselves at the forefront in this region. Now, for fans who can't make it to these shows, uh, you've talked about, obviously, you know, TV homes and TV production. Uh, is there a TV, like a streaming deal in place where fans will be able to uh, tune in, or is that still in the works? Uh, the best place to find that out would be going to worldclassprowrestling.com. I can tell you this. Uh, we do have a streaming service. I cannot announce it yet because it's a publicly traded company, but uh, you will be able to see our shows there too. Um, we will also be picking up local TV all around the United States. And so uh, we'll also be utilizing Fight TV for our pay-per-views. So, you know, we're uh, really excited about what we have. And the product will be able to be easily viewed. Uh, the streaming service is available on Roku, Amazon, all of those platforms. I think even Samsung Smart TVs. So, um, man, 2022 is an exciting time for us. Uh, one question I'm going to ask you real quick. You made an announcement uh, about a week or so ago about your commentary team. You're going to have Marco Rams on commentary. You're also going to have a young woman, uh, Brittany Howe, who is the promoter for Elevate Pro. I've had a chance to uh, interview her on another show. Uh, and I think she's actually a, a very amazing person, very, you know, good mind for the business and all that. Um, Tell us a little bit about kind of her and why you decided, you know, her with Mark Lawrence because it's an interesting pairing, obviously. <laughs> well, you know, Mark is the voice of world class. You know, when people think of world class and they think of, you know, that, that voice that goes along with it, it's Mark and Bill, Bill Mercer all the way. And so getting Mark was a huge win for us. And, you know, picking who goes opposite of him is just as important. And, you know, I love, I love Brittany's work. Brittany's, uh, you know, very intelligent, very articulate, very, very intelligent wrestling wise, you know, so many different things. And I think that those styles will go really good together. And, you know, I can't wait to see the work they do together. You know, I think that as good as Brittany is, I think, you know, just little tidbits and stuff that Mark can teach her will make her even better. You know, it's no different than any time I've had a chance to work with people like that. Like I said, you know, you get to sit under that learning tree. And if you allow yourself to learn, you know, it's no different than anything else. You can learn something new every day. I think Brittany going forward, she's going to be an important part of our team and an important part of our television. Now throughout the show, we've talked about, you know, we're all fans. Um, from your perspective as a fan, you know, you grew up here, you were watching all this back then as we all were. Now you're getting to work with, you know, Mark Lorenz, Eric Embry, Mick Foley, you mentioned Iceman Parsons, uh, Gary Young maybe coming in. As a fan, how is that for you getting to work with the guys that, you know, you watch on TV? <laughs> uh, you know, you have to check it. You have to check yourself. You know, it has to be, uh, it has to be strictly professional. You know, um, and sometimes that's hard. You know, with Sting, it was really hard, you know, because growing up, uh, Sting mm -hmm. and Hogan were my guys. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and Lex, too. So, you know, um, Sting was very surreal to me, and it, and it was hard. You know, even watching, like, Eric, you know, I watched Eric all the time growing up. And, uh, but you have to remember, it's a business, you know, and, and it's tough to get, tough not to get caught up in that sometimes. I think oftentimes 
us being wrestling people, we focus on wrestling aspects whenever we need to stay focused on business aspects. You know, I think um, ultimately world-class is a media company as people are going to see in 2022. You know, we have a lot more tricks up our sleeve than just a typical wrestling show. And, you know, to me, advancing our business at this point is way more important than hiring people that I like as a fan. <laughs> and, uh, you know, probably the only person I would get in trouble with at this point would be Hogan. <laughs> you know, if I had Hogan, I'd have to watch myself. I might even have to have somebody else handling. <laughs> but, you know, as far as the rest of it goes, world-class and its success are above anything that I work with personally. You know, you'd be surprised. Most of the guys that have come in, I don't have their autographs. I don't have pictures with them. You know, it's very few and far between. You know, Jen, Jan Ross, whenever she was alive, she was an amazing woman, by the way, amazing woman. Uh, mm -hmm. One day we were at Monday really Night so. Raw together, and uh, she was like, let's take a picture. And I was like, oh, I don't really take pictures. And she's like, why? And I was like, you know, I think it's unprofessional. And she was like, you have to get over that, Jerry. This day and age, it's important to take those pictures and to post them on your social media because it helps your company grow. You know, since then, I've tried to tried to be a little better about it. And, you know, but I still do struggle with it because I do think it's a fine line between, you know, like being a wrestling mark and, and being professional. And being a wrestling mark isn't a bad thing because most of us at our court are wrestling marks. Even those of us in the business, you almost have to be. And, you know, but you just can't let that part of you supersede what you're trying to accomplish. Now, for our listeners who are interested in finding out more about World Cross Revolution and upcoming shows, where can they find you on social media? Um, you can find us at worldclassprowrestling.com. Uh, we have a Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Um, business purposes, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can also reach me at jerry.bostic at worldclassprowrestling.com via email for any business inquiries. And uh, that's pretty much it. All right. Well, Jerry, I'd like to thank you for joining us. Very uh, interesting to hear about kind of your story and the resurgence of the world-class area. But I'm going to pass the mic back over to Glenn for the, uh, the, the wrap-up of the show. Well, yeah, it's been a fun uh, episode here uh, just talking with our guest, uh, Jerry Bostic. But, Jerry, before we go, Jacob Fatu, Rodney Mack, the Battle of the Badasses. That's got to be something that's got to be in your mind for some time down the line if you're able to get those two. Those two would make some – that would be old-school, world-class, tough guy, man-on-man -man violence. And I think that uh, definitely – just put it in the back pocket. I love physical matches. I love it. I love physical matches. And you're right. Whenever you think about the old world-class, to me, the appeal was it looks like a fight. You know, almost every match, if you watched them, they, weren't, they might not have been technical masterpieces but they looked like real fights. So you're right. Like I would love to have that match. That's actually, you know, I might take that from you. <laughs> hey, hey, no, no problem, man. No problem. I just want to see it, man. I just want to see it. For Jerry Bostic and the Grizzle Vet, Mike McCurdy, I'm Glenn Broggett. This has been Wrestling Memories.